0: listening to the pharmacy podcast network since 2009 the pharmacy podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio join us at pharmacypodcast.com or subscribe on apple podcasts spotify google or any of your favorite podcast directories this podcast is not approved for cme credit every diabetes treatment plan is different individual results may vary. Nothing you hear on this podcast should be considered medical advice. All claims are supported by clinical evidence referenced in the show notes. For clinical study results, please refer to Dexcom G6 user guide. For product related questions, please refer to the instructions for use. For complete safety information, go to dexcom.com forward slash safety hyphen information. Smart devices are sold separately. For a list of compatible smart devices, Visit dexcom.com forward slash compatibility. Finger sticks required for diabetes treatment decisions if symptoms or expectations do not match readings. Data from collaborator devices and products may be verified by those collaborator devices and products. Users should confirm data and connections with their collaborator devices and products.
1: Welcome to Real Time, Real Talk, a Dexcom podcast dedicated to pharmacists and other healthcare professionals on the front lines helping people thrive who live with diabetes. Dexcom is the leading developer of real-time continuous glucose monitoring, also known as RTCGM, and other digital technologies to better manage diabetes. Real-time CGM provides critical glycemic metrics for physicians, pharmacists, and diabetes specialists to act upon to help their patients live with as much freedom as possible. Dexcom empowers people to take control of diabetes through innovative continuous glucose monitoring. Real Time Real Talk is a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. For more information on all Dexcom technologies, products and services, please visit Dexcom.com. That's D-E-X-C-O-M.com. Hello everyone, and welcome to
2: another episode of Real Time Real Talk, where we discuss all things continuous glucose monitoring or CGM. I'm your host, Share Pastori. Today, we will be talking to Eric Long, a disease management pharmacist from Beacon Health Healthcare System. He is a doctor of pharmacy and holds a master's of business administration. Eric graduated from pharmacy school in 2018, but he already has so much experience with CGM, and I can't wait for you to hear all about it. Welcome, Eric.
3: Hi. Thank you so much.
2: So. Eric, I don't have that much experience with the pharmacy. Um, I traditionally work with endocrinologists. So can you just tell us a little bit more about basically Beacon Health System and what your role is there?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So Beacon Health System is a, I guess you could say a mid-level phar- uh, hospital system in Northwestern Indiana, Southwestern Michigan. There's about five hospitals in that system. Um, and countless clinics uh, called Beacon Medical Group Clinics. It um, has a pretty wide geographic range, uh, and it's uh, about um, 13,000 total uh, employees and insured dependents and spouses on the plan here. Um, and then my role is as a ambulatory care pharmacist, so I, I help with Chronic disease state management. Typical um, chronic disease states are diabetes, uh, uh, blanking around high, hypertension, uh, high cholesterol, uh, asthma, COPD, heart failure. Those are our typical. Diabetes is by far most common uh, disease state that we interact with um, nearly every day. Nearly every day here.
2: Okay, and does it work? similar to a doctor's office where you schedule patients like every half hour or do patients just come in and you see them as they come?
3: Yeah, uh, it's dependent. Um, So I'm my own uh, assistant too, in a way. So I I do all the scheduling. Um, What normally breaks down to is about half the day is administrative sort of things, uh, scheduling patients, prepping for patients about the other half is patient load. Certain days are more than others um, in terms of what that breakdown is. But it, it it works out to roughly four to some days, eight patients, sometimes more, depending on the length of the day, too. So it, it's, a, it's a variety. Nothing's ever the same each and every day.
2: Yes, that keeps it exciting. OK, so can you tell us, I mean, how did you even get started using continuous glucose monitoring?
3: It's a, that's a good question because I wish I had a really fancy, well-thought-out answer. And the, and the, and the reality is it was, it was the first thing that came across the table in terms of CGMs. Um, there were a couple other ones that we were somewhat working with, but the difference with Dexcom is that uh, the first time we interacted with it, it was immediately very clear how much more thorough and expansive the data was that was provided through it. And that's what really hooked us. I think one of the first interactions I had with Dexcom, uh, if we go back to pharmacy school, uh, that was probably the first time they mentioned it. I was like, I will never see that in my life. That's so niche. I know how it is. It's got to be type one. Uh, and with a million other issues, I will never see it again. But you fast forward 2018, that's that's when I see the first patient with Dexcom. And I'm like, oh, I, I kind of remember this. Um, And then that's when uh, I started seeing, it was the first patient 2018 and 2019, started seeing a lot more of these patients come through. And that's when we became more familiar with the the device of Dexcom. So that's how we got started with with CGMs. There was uh, the freestyle also, uh, we did see sometimes, but it was largely the Dexcom. Um, And it got to the point where it was almost always suggested, let's get you on Dexcom just due to the robustness of the information that came with the the Dexcom.
2: But it really kind of started as patients just coming in, they were wearing the product or they were asking for a Dexcom.
3: (sighs) Yeah, it was it was really um, I I think the first patient uh, I really had that is sticking out was a type one who was on Tantam 2 and he was able to add on the Dexcom. And it was, I, I saw it with another patient before, and I suggested, hey, check this out. Might be a little easier. Um, and he made that switch. And that was the first dive into Dexcom, learning clarity, learning about the device, how it works, how it operates. Um, so it really was patient-driven. Um, it wasn't like I... It had a really good vision. I knew that this was going to be a better device. I, I wish it was that good of a story, but it was really the patients who brought it to my attention and said, Hey, what about this? I'm like, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's, uh, let's look at this more. And that, and then it just blossomed from there. Cause it, I just need one or two. And I started seeing the results and like, okay, this is, this is a different device.
2: Okay, great. So now that you have that experience, how do you now determine or how do you select someone who you, think would benefit from a CGM or continuous glucose monitor?
3: So this is where it's going to be a little unique with beacon health system. And this is where, uh, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of ability to, to really use Dexcom is in reality, it's almost anyone that is diabetes has diabetes to any degree, um, they are eligible for the device. Now it depends on the patient and it depends on where they are at with their monitoring and management of diabetes. It is a device that a person's going to wear. So sometimes if they're well controlled and they're in the low sixes all the time, it's not a good fit, but we don't keep it from people who do potentially want to use the device and see where they're at. Um, so the guidelines are pretty, uh, they've gone much, much better in the last few years. And I imagine three years time, it's going to be even, even, even easier to start to, Any CGM and DEXCOM, uh, DEXCOM in particular, but uh, they often require insulin, at least basal insulin, um, to consider DEXCOM. In our case, anyone with diabetes, if they're comfortable with the device, wearing it, and familiar with our process without work. So I don't try and pick and choose who's going to be the best candidate because it's not so much. Um, that does guide it but it's more it it comes down to some some patient groups where it's really up to them as to what they want to do with the device or not but i i should and i sorry i should say if there are very clearly uncontrolled diabetes or or their a1c's are high they're struggling there's a lot more of a push but it's it's in that well-controlled newer diabetes range where it's a little bit more up to the patient
2: okay and maybe you'll either offer it to them or discuss it. And, yeah. and if they seem open to it, then you'll just go ahead and proceed with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then say once you've selected them and you want them, they've chosen the Dexcom G six, how do you get them started on it? And is the training process, how is the training process go for you?
3: Yeah, it's a uh, pretty straightforward at this point. Yeah. You know, when we first started this process a couple of years ago, it was a little clunky. Um, At this point, what happens is the patient comes in. A lot of times they are funneled to us through our our pharmacies within our health system. So our insurance works by um, you have to fill within the pharmacies uh, that are owned by the health system. And a lot of times they'll start there where they'll see that the patient's potentially on a Dexcom or they're on diabetes supplies. And then they they will refer them to uh, the disease management program, which is what I do and say you should talk to Eric. He can help with the discounts, uh, help with cost, that sort of thing. And then that's where we'll often see the patient. So that's the initial kind of interaction with the patient. From that point forward, um, I will meet with the patient. Uh, We'll go through a lot of the basics with diabetes, make sure medications are appropriately, properly titrated, A1Cs are controlled, um, or at least we know where their A1Cs is at. And then um, From there, it often comes up with a simple question of, have you heard of Dexcom? And at this point in time, most people have heard of it to some degree, especially if they've had diabetes for any length of time. I think was it, oh, a couple of years ago, there was actually the Dexcom commercial on uh, the Super Bowl with um, one of the Jones brothers. I can't remember, but I mean, that was kind of yeah, a big exactly. moment.
2: Okay. Well, let me remind you, it was Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas. Okay, That's right. That's
3: right. Okay. Okay. I, I, I know, I know I should, but so that was, that was a big cultural moment too, in a way. So a lot of people are familiar. And at that point, it's, it's a question of, you know, I, I think this is a good fit. You know, you're testing your blood sugar, maybe two or three times a day. Um, if we're lucky, um, imagine something doing it for you, 288 times a day, and you don't even know it. And that normally is enough of a, Oh, hold on. Tell me more about this Dexcom. If they're on the fence. Um, I make it very clear. It's, it's the patient who needs to make the decision. I love Dexcom. I would make everyone use it if they had, if I had the choice, but I know I'm not the one wearing it. So it's got to be very clearly the patient's desire to use it because they're going to be wearing the device. They got to figure it out. They got to understand it. Um, so I always let them know like, okay, here's some information, go home. I, I, I wish I had a better way of saying it, but I often tell them, just Google Dexcom. I'll send you the link to the website. There's a lot of information out there. Make sure this is right for you. Generally, 99% of the time it is, um, they'll often uh, let me know next day, next couple, few days later. And then I send a recommendation to the doctor. And I tell the doctor, you know, I'm meeting with patient X with a disease management program. We discussed diabetes. Dexcom came up. It's a good fit. Um, I think it should be started. Here's how you prescribe it, because it can go through pharmacy benefit, um, and then once you send it through, uh, the patient will be able to pick it up um, and get started on the device. At that point, I will fall. I found that I will tell patients, "Let me know when you start it." I found that that absolutely never happens that way, and then I go long periods of time without hearing back from the patient. So. At that point, I follow up with the patient about a week or so later, just quick email check-in. Hey, did you get your Dexcom yet? Um, Once they've started the Dexcom, they picked it up from the pharmacy and they've started. Um, I then will follow up with them about a month later to go through detail with Dexcom Clarity and their data, how to use it, tips and tricks, all the little things that come with it. I don't help them set it up for two reasons. One, um, the Dexcom support and the whole process process is very thorough, very, very, I would tell them, you know, 30 to 60 minutes. There's lots of videos. Uh, It might almost be too much information if you are not prepped to like sit there. I mean, it's very thorough. So one, you need to, and two, you're going to have to do this on your own anyways, at some point, I'm not always going to be there. I'm more than happy to help out with the process, but I often leave them to their own device in this process. Um, And then the uh, that's, I guess that's really the main reason why I don't, the support's so good. And really it's, They got to be on their own at some point with it, but we do follow up a month later. So it's probably a very long answer to to what you're asking, but essentially, yeah.
2: I have, let me ask, okay, a few more questions. Let me just back up and then we'll recap. Okay, so first, is there ever a time where they are in your office and they talk to you about Dexcom and they decide to get it like then or that day? Or do you tell the doctor that that day? Or do you also prescribe
3: it. Uh yeah, so that's I, I do not prescribe. It. There is no uh collaborative practice in place right now. Um so if they are interested in it and they want it that day uh and they're very thorough they're certain about it, they know about it, then I can uh, send a message and I have a you know pre-written out message. So it's it takes a few minutes to start the recommendation. This is a part of the process that just comes with time. Of development, but we have good relations with uh, a lot of the doctors in the area. They're very familiar with what we do. So it's a lot easier to get these recommendations in and going uh, for these patients.
2: Okay. So the um, doctor prescribes the DEXCOM. Um, the person with diabetes gets the DEXCOM at their house. They start on it. You tell them all about this. And so then they start on it. And then you typically want to see them back in a week, like if everything went according to plan.
3: Yeah. I, well, normally I know I will follow up with them in a week to see if they've started or not. There's never a, (laughs) I've never had a time where they just start and pick it up right away on time. Um, and then once they tell me they've started, or at least they picked it up, we schedule about a month out to follow up in person or over zoom. I just need them to be able to see their screen, um, because I'll invite them to our Dexcom clinic and we'll go through the clarity. And we can talk about that more in a second, but that's normally the process.
2: Okay, great. All right. So let's, yeah, let's definitely talk about Dexcom Clarity. Um, So, when I was in private practice as a registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator, um, this was long before I ever worked for Dexcom. I got started on um, putting patients on the Dexcom G4. And so, over time, Dexcom Clarity really did become my favorite software. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, I really like Clarity. I mean, I think it's easy to use. I think it's easy to read the reports. So Descom Clarity is our um, diabetes management software, and it helps with its data management and provides all the continuous glucose information for both the person with diabetes and also the clinician. So Eric, tell us a little bit about how you do use Clarity in your practice. Um, Let's start there.
3: Yeah, uh, so I will, you know, the the big thing with Clarity is it's the absolute bread and butter of managing Dexcom here. It, it is so important as a provider to be able to look at that and make sense of it for the patient. Um, Dexcom, the G6 app itself at 12, 24 hours of data, but that's it. It doesn't really give trends. It doesn't um, give you the big, big data, big level data information uh, that we're really looking for to make sort suggestions or changes so the clarity is is fantastic because the the patient can come in and we can talk through and look at each day individually and look for certain patterns look at the trends look at when they're high when they're low what their alarms are set at and then investigate what is the problem where they're having problems what is really great with these patients is you can look at their daily reports And I can look back and say, okay, it looks like, let's think about yesterday. It looks like you ate breakfast about 7.45 a.m. You took your insulin at 8.30 and then you went through and you did. And it generally is pretty close and it just, it blows the patients away to see that. And it's not like I'm doing anything special. I mean, it just comes with looking at these things, but it really shows the patient like, wow, I can, I can really look at what my sugar level is doing um, or glucose level is really doing over the period of time to such a detail that they never realized was possible. Um, I've had a few times where patients were on the Dexcom, um, before meeting with us, uh, just through other circumstances and they were only using a Dexcom for a while and they do okay. But until they brought on the clarity and we start using the clarity on a f- semi-frequent basis, their time and range was never quite where it could have been. They, a lot of times are just below that 70% range or, um, you know, there's, there's some areas that are easy improvements. Once we start using clarity and going through it, that, that pops it right back up to 70 plus or much better improved control, better, uh, less standard deviations, um, uh, with their, their glucose level up and down. So, uh, it really is a game changer with how you manage Dexcom informations with that clarity app.
2: Okay. So, um, tell me if this has ever happened to you. So, uh, I used to see patients in my office, as I mentioned, and we would talk about food and mm-hmm. someone, someone would eat, you know, say they ate a bagel, which has a lot of carbohydrate, then their glucose level went very high. This was before they were on a continuous glucose monitor. And we would talk about it. and, And I would say, okay, so it has this many grams of carbohydrates. And this is why probably why your glucose would have risen so high or would be a contributing factor and and it never really like hit home but then once they put on a continuous glucose monitor they would be like oh my god share i just ate that bagel and this is what <laughs> happened and i was like uh okay so has yeah. that ever happened to you where the person has been like gosh now i really do see what's happening like they tell you
3: Yes. Yes. And that happens a lot. And that's the, that's the great thing with Dexcom is just allow so much self-discovery for the patient because it's their diabetes. It's their health. They want to take care of this. They really do. They just never knew how or what was causing the issue. Um, one of my favorite stories is I had a patient who absolutely loves Twizzlers, like loves Twizzlers. And that's her go-to food. So she would eat it, but she knows her glucose would go up to 250 plus whenever she had just, just like half a stick. I mean, that's not a lot of, uh, candy, but she noticed that. So she's like, okay, that kind of sucks. But she learned to work around it because what she found out was she could have five Oreos before it had the same jump in her glucose level. And it's very individualized. And I tell that story to other patients because it's like, you just don't realize what certain things are. And on the surface, all those Oreos, you know, minus the nutritional value there for snack wise. And from a diabetes perspective, the Oreos are going to be a better option and more food than the the half the Twizzler. Now it's not always the same for everyone, but this is a part of the process that the patient would never know beforehand. They would just know right away. I got to stay away from the Oreos. Um, And they start to really understand how certain things are carbohydrate rich and how there are certain items that are way more um, hard to deal with uh, from a glycemic point of view. So so yes, it happens all the time. And it's it's so wonderful to watch it happen because it's it's like the patient's like, it clicks, you get to see real time, it just making sense for these things.
2: Yeah, I know. I love how that happens. Um, So can you tell us, are there any specific features to either clarity or the G6 that either you like a lot for your patients or your patients have said that they liked like maybe the urgent low soon Mm -hmm. or the ability to um for someone to be able to like a loved one could follow their glucose levels. Are there any features that you particularly like?
3: Yeah so um I guess I can look at it from patient perspective first. So I think the urgent low soon is a is a wonderful feature on the Dexcom. I think it helps so much because one thing that's not clear um, and maybe it is, but it just never really popped up is that when people have a hypoglycemic event, they're very, very hesitant to overdo the insulin. They're willing to run a very high for a long period of time, then overdo it on the insulin and having the, not only so much alarm saying that the person's low, but you're going to be low. You're not low yet, but you're going to be low in 20, 30 minutes that gives them so much more uh, peace of mind knowing that they can kind of, I don't want to say push the limit, but they can be okay with giving that insulin dose that, yes, it dropped them low before, um, and you know, ideally things have been corrected, they're aware of what's going on, but they don't need to be so petrified of the insulin um, as they have been before. And it's a very real psychological fear. So that urgent low soon is is so powerful to say, you're okay. It's going to let you know, it's going to go off. It's going to be uh, very loud. It's, you're going to know when you need to watch it. So that's from a patient perspective, I really, really like the urgent low soon. I will admit uh, that the share process has not come up as much. And that's largely due to my patient population is typically... Um young to middle age uh, working adults typically. It's more the polar ends of the age spectrums that people really utilize it. Um the few pediatric patients, uh, that absolutely is always a mainstay is the share feature with the family and, and the parents. And then, you know, the older adults too, who are, you know, I I give it to my daughter so she's aware of where I'm at. So that that's a really good feature um for that. And and largely the other thing that's just very valuable for clarity, I always tell patients, and I, you know, it's been shown that that every time uh, if a patient's able to check their clarity at least once a week or four times a month, they can see about 15% increase in time and range and honing in on and, and, and really making it clear that that time and range is, is an important metric. Um, they just start to check a little more often. They look at their trends, they look at where their time and range, they look at their GMI, they uh, they look at the standard deviation, They look at those things and they're just a little more aware of, okay, over the last seven days, it's been this, two days, it's been this, 14 days, 30 days. So that's very valuable um, on that end. Um, I think from a clinical point of view, so someone that's looking at the clarity, one thing that I found very valuable also is looking at the patient's alarms and which ones they have turned off and when they are set has been very valuable because you can often get right to the issue right away when you see the highs are turned off or they only have lows alarms on and figuring out, is there alarm fatigue? Is it too low? Do we need to adjust it? Cause that can make a a big difference for the patient. Um, Because the last thing we want is them to be annoyed to death by the Dexcom. We want them to stop what they're doing and look at their alarms when they go off, but we don't want it so frequent that they, begin to just ignore it because that's, I mean, that's defeating the, the purpose of the Dexcom kind of at that point. So that's been useful from a, from a more of a clinician providing uh like a pharmacist perspective, knowing what's going on with their alarms, why they have it set where they are. And a lot of times there's a good reason, but it's good to always check in and see what's going on here.
2: And then, so do you have conversations about maybe how, not necessarily how to set alarms, but how they could benefit from the alarm
3: Mm -hmm. yeah uh the probably the most common conversation is figuring out when they're highest because they can't turn that low off so that's always going to be set um and then they can adjust some of the other they
2: can't there's an urgent low which is if the sensor gets to be 55 milligrams per deciliter that one we can't turn off but there is a low yeah, yeah, alert okay. that can right, be turned yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, it just, that's right. just wanted to be sure. Okay.
3: Yeah. So the urgent low, I know that, or the, the, the very low one, that one can't be turned. Everything else can be adjusted. Um, most of the time, the low ones are kept on, uh, I, even the low, uh, and, and then, um, the, the very low option there, those are normally on, that's never the issue. The problem that can come up is the high is often turned off and, a lot of times it comes down to that default number of 250 is either too low for some patients um, or it's too high to where they never really get to utilize the alarm. So I like to go through and look at their, their readings under the, uh, oh, I think it's the statistics tab on clarity, where you can see the the number of readings and what their highest reading was over a period of time. And then I say, let's choose whatever your highest reading was over two weeks and let's set your high alarm to that so that, you know, if you're doing something and you hear your high alarm, you're the highest you've been in 2 weeks. So we need to, you know, set things down, look at it. Um, see what's going on uh, and make adjustments because you're very high right now. We don't want that to be common. Sometimes it happens. There's nothing around it. You just know about it. Um, But it helps prevent the patient from getting too inundated by looking at Dexcom every five minutes too. And that, that's a very common issue for people, especially new to Dexcom. They see it all the time. They're always looking out, always checking. And sometimes that can get just as stressful as not checking it too. So we want to be healthy with it. It's long haul. This is going to be around for a while. So we don't want to burn them out right away either. So it's good to find that balance between um too many alarms, too few alarms, right alarms at the right time, and taking care of the patient overall, just with knowing audit, from an audio perspective where they're at without having to always check.
2: Well, that and and I think it's really important to have the conversation with the person, you know, wearing the device that yes, these can be changed. These are customizable. Let's have the conversation like you just talked about, you know, because maybe you do start out high, say you set the high alert at 300 milligrams per deciliter, but then things start changing or improving, then you lower it. And so it's, you know, it's a gradual process for, you know, and then the patient benefits and has a a better, or let's just say a more enjoyable experience with with the product. (laughs) Okay, great. So how often do you review the clarity reports either in your office or do you sometimes do it over the phone or not really? Yeah. Uh,
3: we, I I like to at least do it through a mechanism that they can share. I can share the screen with them. So we'll invite them to our clinic. We have a disease management clinic. We'll invite them to that. So it's easy to share with, they can always do a share code too, um, but it's just easier if they're part of our clinic. Um, and then, depending on where they're at, it has different timeframes. So if it's a new patient, they just got started, it's always a month later. I like to do it just to make sure we go through some tips and tricks, how to read it, what to make sense of, um, because clarity is a lot of information. It can be very overwhelming for a patient who's not quite clear what they're looking at. So I always do it no matter how well controlled they are uh, to start with. We always look at it one month after at that one month period, if the patient is in their time and range 70% or higher, I like to follow up at least one more time in a month to just verify, because I've had times where I don't, and then they drop right down because it's it's a new device, they're really following it, and then they fall off. So I like to follow up one more time, and if, they're, if their time and range is 70% or higher, then we extend out to every three to six months, follow up with the patient in terms of what's going on. Um, it sounds like a lot, really, it's a 15 minute meeting after that initial one month out, because that first month you go through, I go through the whole process with the clarity, um, that can take, you know, half hour to an hour, depending on the questions and what's going on after that, a lot of it's just check in. Okay. What's, what's the food you're eating? How are you taking your insulin? Are you taking your medications at this time? What's going on here? Um, I leave out to the patient if they want to do in person or over Zoom. Um, Zoom is typically what I use. Actually, I don't think I've used any other platforms before, but just something to share the screen. Um, Nice thing with Zoom, too, is I can write on the screen, which is a new feature I found. So it's easy to show, like, you know, if you took your mealtime in a little earlier, this would not be as much of a spike here. And they can visualize it a little easier that way. Um, and a lot of times it does work out to be in Zoom meetings because, uh, you know, Beacon Health Systems is a very broad geographic region. So um, to ask someone to come in for these meetings, sometimes like an hour trip for a 15-minute meeting to review someone that's already at goal. So um, technology has been very useful in, in keeping this consistent with anyone uh, along this way. So it's it's either one and the time frame of how often we meet with the patient can can vary. But typically one a month, once a month until they're at goal and then from there we can extend it out 3 to 6 months or however.
2: Yeah, it well works. I mean I think that raises a really interesting point because before continuous glucose monitoring um you know maybe the patient would go into either a physician's office or maybe you would see them in practice and we would just be looking at the A1C right so the very yeah. m- minimum would be 3 months before you could make a change but now really you could make a change in much shorter time right a month and so then they wouldn't stay high for so long. And who knows, maybe they don't even come in at three months, right? Maybe they come in six months later. So their A1C could have been in 13% and it's not really ideal for the patient Uh either in their process. So that really helps. Um, So with this data interpretation and you looking at clarity, um, are you able to get reimbursed for that? Are there codes or does only the doctor get reimbursed for that process?
3: You know, that is a question, uh, because the role I'm in right now, it's a, we're considered a benefit. So we're within the, we're a benefit of Beacon as part of the insurance. So we don't bill for anything. Um, Now, I don't know who, if the doctor's office, when they do any sort of review, I'm sure they're billing for it. I don't know what that looks like. So I know that is, this is a kind of a specific zone. Uh, Not everyone has this ability to do it in this situation, but any, any health system specifically often has a sort of uh, internal uh, sort of ambulatory care function that works very similar with for chronic disease management. So that might be in those scenarios, this might fit in really well, but no, we don't, we don't do any sort of billing specifically in this process.
2: Okay. Understood. Um, but just to be clear, data interpretation, uh, on a CGM device is a reimbursable service, but of course it would be up the practitioner would have to check with things like their, with their license, but okay. Very good. Um, Eric, oh my God, you're so amazing. And you have so much experience with this and I just love it. So can you, we just have a couple more questions. Um, are there any like, tips that you could give to other pharmacists, maybe who either want to try CGM or how could they bring it to their systems or anything you could think of that might help somebody bring it to their system? a pharmacist? Yeah,
3: absolutely. There, there's, a, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, this is what worked at Beacon Health System for bringing it in. Um, it really is start off with a small group of patients. Uh, like I was saying at the beginning, it was like a few patients that were on it what's this Dexcom? What is this? And starting to dive into and looking at what's going on. Um, so we began looking at these patients, these small groups of patients and, and looking at the data and seeing what it is and realizing this is something that we need to bring it into our health system as a whole. So starting to take that, that small group of patients extrapolating what that might look for the health system as a whole, um, in Indiana and, and with our health system, about 20% of the workforce has diabetes to some, you know, pre-diabetes or diabetes, um, to some extent. So figuring out, well, this is what it would look like if we brought this in and covered it uh, with our health system. This is the cost. This is what it looked like. And then that's the high end. Here's the low end. And then getting the data, the data from the studies out there on terms of the, um, benefit of the device from a, um, there's a lot of ways to do it, but it's uh, it's basically the, uh, um, Oh, I'm I'm blanking on the term right now. Uh, I, I don't know why I just, I just spoke about this, but it's a, uh, the cash benefit or the the value of a healthcare option so um i'm gonna i'm just gonna keep going and when i think about it, i'll come back to it but it, it essentially is a way to allow uh, us to see if a new standard of care or a better standard of care or new treatment option is a better fit for a patient in terms of the cost that it, it, it has to be used so that's what uh the studies i looked at seem to show like DEXCOM, very good uh value here, a uh, very good w- method of moving on away from your standard care, which was finger sticking. So you take all that information and I and then present it to the uh yeah. Cost effectiveness. There you go. That's that's what I was, uh, I was thinking. Thanks, Brent. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know why I was like blanking. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, anyways, yeah, so the cost effectiveness. And in healthcare, it's very hard to get that number because there's certain things that can really impact it. Um, CGMs, uh, the original studies that, that we use for Beacon, uh, had a very high cost effectiveness. I mean, it was almost basically free to make this change to um, and I'm not, and free in a sense, like it, it was such a good value. It's almost like they're, it's given away. So take that information put it together, say, this is the range of what we're looking at in terms of cost overall. And then present it in my case to, uh, it was the executive director of benefits who helps with the insurance, um, kind of planning what's covered and, uh, basically figuring out what does this look like. Um, the data was good enough. It was it was strong enough to say, yeah, let's do this. This makes sense. And then it was implemented. Um, now, this is not going to work for everyone. It's not going to be the easiest process. Uh, I was in a fortunate position and I, told, I completely recognize that, but this is a way to get it started. It's just showing, and, and really, this and this speaks to pharmacists, is you got to show the data. You have to show the value. You have to show where these numbers come from, because there's always a cost associated. um, And if you can't show the value of the cost, it's just not going to go anywhere. Yes, it's a great care, but until the money, the monetary value is attached to it, you might not really be able to explain what the benefit is with it. And It it completely changes the picture when there's a certain cost savings down the road that comes with the change in, in the current therapy. Yeah, it might be more expensive, but it's way better health outcomes uh for what we've seen. So that's a that's a very general way. I didn't want to go too deep in because it that it's a kind of a weird complicated topic and it it's glaze over and you talk about it a little bit in school and I love it. But it it's uh it's something that there's a lot more nuance to it than just I don't want to make it sound too
2: simple. Right. And it 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 sounds just kind of like an individual process or the health center or the private pharmacy would have to just kind of take a look at it, read the mm-hmm. studies and see what works best for them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've already given us so many tips and such great advice. So this is probably going to be a hard question, but this is, our <laughs> last, this is our last one. Um, if there was just like, say there was one, what would you say is the single most important takeaway for our HCPs that are listening in, um, from this conversation today?
3: Ooh, yeah, Ooh. there's, there's a lot out there. Um, I think I I keep going back to it, but I really think it's important is is getting familiar and comfortable with clarity and and being able to understand what that is. I I cannot stress enough. That is really where you're going to make a lot of inroads with a patient because the patient can see their Dexcom, they can see their numbers, they know where they're at, but they sometimes don't get the application on the broad seven days, 14 days, 30 days. They don't quite see that sort of connection sometimes. So being comfortable to look at the dailies. Look for patterns that we want to avoid, know what time and range is, know what these certain numbers uh, might mean, explain what that GMI stands for and and how it doesn't always, you know, line up exactly with A1C and and being just familiar and capable with it. um, I've had a lot of times where a patient says they just look at it and say, oh, it looks good and it moves on, but there's no interpretation. And I think if you're not interpreting even even a little bit, you're really missing out on a huge part of diabetes care, um, at least with the, uh, Dexcom aspect, uh, for right now. So I, I would say just get familiar with clarity, get used to it, get, just master it. And it does, it doesn't take much each time, but they, it's, it really helps the patient out understanding what's going on.
2: Wow. So Erica, listen to this and this uh, to all the listeners, this is a true story and we didn't talk about it next episode episode four is all about dexcom clarity it's a, <laughs> so you can listen in too Perfect. because yeah because we'll have um an endocrinologist and a primary care talk about how they use it in practice and maybe you'll learn some new things but yeah. so we did we didn't even talk about that at all but episode four deep dive into dexcom clarity um so eric i just want to thank you so much for your time and for being a great fan of dexcom and um We look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Eric.
3: Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. This is, I could talk all day, but we have an hour here, so that's okay.
2: (laughs) Uh, So good to talk to you. Okay. Thanks everybody. And we'll see you um, next month for another episode of Dexcom Real Time Real Talk.